Now, this is a real familiar uh, set of scripture, if you've read your Bible a lot, because uh, this is the story of Joseph. And this is the beginning of uh, the story of Joseph as far as him uh, being, uh, bad things start happening to him. You know, he's, uh, he's uh, favored by his dad. His dad gives him the, co gives him the coat of many colors. And uh, he's, uh, God's been given uh, Joseph dreams. And the dreams God's been given Joseph is that one day, one day, your family's going to bow down before you. And, they, of course, the brothers don't like that. The dad don't even like that. They're like, what? Is, they can't believe that this young man, this young teenager would have dreams like that, that God's given him dreams. So at this time, his brothers, all his brothers are sent out to take care of the flock. So they go off down to Dotham, and uh, he sends Joseph, his dad, sends, J Jacob sends Joseph down to find the brethren, find his brothers. Verse 15, that's where we're going to pick up the story, verse 15. And a certain man found him and found Joseph. And behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. Let me tell you something. There's more types of Jesus Christ in Joseph than any other man in the Bible. It's amazing. Uh, Joseph, lots of what happens to Joseph is what happens to Jesus Christ. And there's another example of it. I seek my brethren. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save those that are lost. Verse 17, and the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. They're going to murder him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. See, they don't like the dreams that God's been giving Joseph, so they're just going to kill him. Let me tell you something. Killing Joseph's not going to do away with those dreams. God's word's going to be fulfilled no matter what you do or how you do it. And they think they're going to get, they think they're going to get rid of God's word. God's word can't be getting, you can't get rid of God's word that easy. Y'all know that. Verse 21. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of the hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto now Reuben's the firstborn. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. So verse 23, and it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Now let me point something out about verse 24. Joseph's been told, all your brethren are going to, all your brothers are going to bow down before you. Even your mom and dad are going to bow down before you. They're all going to, all, the, all of them are going to bow down before you. And what he finds out is his life has led him to the bottom of the pit. Don't you know at the bottom of the pit, that's when, it's the, that's when it'd be the easiest to start questioning God? I'm supposed to be, they're, they're spo I'm supposed to be a ruler over them, and you promised me all these things, God, and here I am down in the pit. And let me tell you something else. What's the psychological damage that could have been done? It'd be different if there's some guy, some mean thugs come by and they took Joseph and they threw him down in a pit. He's down in a pit and he's starting to question God. This is his own brother. This is his brother and this is his own flesh and blood. This is the, these are the guys he thinks, he loves these guys as his brothers. And this is how they're treating him. And he's down in a pit. And there's other verses in Genesis 42 that talk about how, jo and they don't say it here, but Joseph was crying out to them. 
and was crying and was weeping and said, please don't do this. Please let me out of here. Please don't do this to me. Please let me out of here. Please. And he's begging them for his life. He's begging them. And they're ignoring him. Pretty evil. And they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? They want to make money off of him. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh. And his brethren were content with that. So the, verse 28, Then there passed by a Midianite merchantman, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. Jesus Christ was sold for silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Brother Wade, do you mind uh, praying over this message, please, Bill? Amen. Amen. So turn to Genesis chapter 45. Turn to Genesis chapter 45. So a lot of y'all know the story of Joseph, but I'll, I'll catch you up here in Genesis 45. So Joseph goes down into Egypt. He's sold as a slave. He becomes a, he becomes a servant of Potiphar. He's there for years as Potiphar's servant, as Potiphar's slave. Now, no, now remember, he's thinking, he's been told that by God that he's going to be lifted up. Here he is as a slave. His brother tried to kill him. He has, he's far away from home as he can get. He's in, he's in a slave's, he's a slave in a house, and everything starts going better for him. God starts blessing him, and, and it's so good that Potiphar just says, you know what, just take care of everything in my house. And Joseph takes care of everything in Potiphar's house. Everything's going good for Joseph right up until he starts having trouble with Potiphar's wife. <laughs> Potiphar's wife's like, man, that's a good-looking dude. And she grabs him and said, hey, let's... Let's get together. Let's go to bed together. And Joseph's like, no, my God won't have nothing to do with that. Well, she, can, she keeps doing that to him. And finally, he's in the house by himself and her. And it's just her and him. And she grabs him. And he, he's like, I can't do that. And he runs away from her. Well, she rips part of his clothes, rips part of his coat. And he flees out of the house. And Paul tells us to flee from sin. He flees out of the house. What happens to poor Joseph? Doing the right thing, she says, he tried to rape me. Look, I even have his clothes to prove it. Poor Joseph, what happens? He gets, he gets innocent, just like Jesus Christ, thrown even deeper. Now he goes down into prison. He's in prison for years and years and years. He's in prison. And then when he's in prison, God starts blessing him down in prison. And while he's in prison, God starts blessing him, and he starts becoming the leader of the prison, starts becoming over all the prison. And here comes two of Pharaoh's uh, workers. One was a butler, one was a baker. One held the, uh, the butler held Pharaoh's cup. They get thrown in jail. Somebody has stolen something of Pharaoh's. They want to find out who done it. Throw both of them in jail. Well, God sends these two men dreams. And when he sends these two men dreams, Joseph can interpret the dream by God. And he interprets one guy's dream. He says, well, I'm dreaming. I see this vine, and there's all this. This vine grows out, and there's these grapes. And then after three days, these grapes are put into a cup. And Joseph basically says, hey, uh, here's the good news. You're going to be raised out of this prison and put back in your place next to Pharaoh. So the butler hears that. I mean, the baker hears that. And the baker's like, well, I had a dream too. Interpret my dream. 
And he says, I had a dream and I had all these baked goods that are up on my head and I'm carrying them on my head. They're in baskets and there's three baskets. And then the, the buzzards or the ravens come and they start eating that bread on my basket. And Joseph says, well, I got some bad news for you. In three days, you're going to be hung and the ravens are going to pluck your flesh off your bones. You're going to be dead. And that's exactly what happened. And when the butler's leaving prison, Joseph says, please remember me what I've done for you when you go before Pharaoh. Please remember me. And what does that guy do? Slams the door and forgets about Joseph. So Joseph stays in there for years and years. Does this sound evil to you guys? Does this sound like a good time? <laughs> this is, you see, we read this stuff in Genesis, and you're kinda, you might be doing your reading, and you read this, and you forget that. This is years going by. This isn't like, oh, a couple of months, and then Joseph. No, this is years going by, and Joseph's totally forgotten about until God sends a dream to Pharaoh. When God sends a dream to Pharaoh, he can't interpret it. So the butler says, oh, I've made a mistake. There's a guy down in prison that he interpreted my dream. Maybe he could help you out, Pharaoh. So they bring Joseph up. They shave him. They clean him up. Here comes Joseph by the power of God. Because God gives Joseph the interpretation dream, and Joseph interprets the dream for Pharaoh and says, You got seven bad years of uh, good, seven good years coming. You got seven bad years coming. You better find a man who can take care of your land because you're going to have a great famine for seven years. And Pharaoh looks around and says, Who better than you to take care of my land? And he lifts him up, and by that one word, Joseph's made the second and the highest second in command of all the world. Jesus Christ is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Second part of the Trinity. All these are types of Jesus Christ. But all this evil is happening to Joseph. All this, and then he's raised up by God. And all of a sudden here he stands. And here comes those people that did all the evil to him. His brothers, they're dealing with the famine. So here they come. They need to get some food. And what happens in a long, I'm not going to go into all the story events. By, by hook and crook, Joseph is messing with them. He finally gets them back in there in verse 1 of chapter 45. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them and stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. See, they don't realize who they're talking to. They think they're talking to Pharaoh's second in command. And they're, they're talking to this guy and he's doing weird stuff to him and saying weird stuff to him. And all of a sudden he just says, okay, everybody get out. All my, all my servants, get out of here. That's what Joseph says. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the, and the house of Pharaoh heard. So Joseph just starts crying, and Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. They still don't know what's going on. Here's this guy, and all of a sudden he just starts weeping, and he's like, I'm Joseph. And they're like, oh, uh-oh. What's going on here? <laughs> oh, is Jesus Christ standing in your life and you don't even know it? It happened to two disciples. Two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They're walking along and they're talking to Jesus Christ and don't even know it's Jesus until he broke bread. There's Joseph. He's standing right there among 11 of his brethren, the ones that tried, threw him in the pit. And there he is standing and they're like, what's happening here? Verse 4, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me. Jesus Christ says, Come unto me. I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. He has to explain it. Hey, I'm Joseph, your brother. Verse 5, Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, 
that you sold me hither. Here we go. This is my sermon. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. Verse 7. Look at verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. Look at verse 8. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. Well, I thought that was, I, Brother Keegan, that was all this evil. All this evil was befallen Joseph. Yes, it was. His brethren did evil. They tried to kill him. Yes, they did. Joseph suffered in prison. He suffered as a slave. He suffered down in Egypt. He did all that. And it says right there, God did it. God sent him. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now lastly, turn to Genesis 50. Lastly, in a sense of where I'm going to be here in Genesis. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. And then I'll tell you what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. Now, Jacob, which was the father of all these boys, Jacob, the father of Joseph and all his brethren, he dies. He, come, he gets brought back into the land, and Jacob dies in that land. Verse 15, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. Did they do evil unto him? Well, yeah, they did. That's why I had to preach on forgiveness so much out of this church because we have so much of our family that have done evil to us and we can't forgive them. Amen? At least there's a couple of honest people. I'm the same boat, guys. It's, hard to, it's easy to forgive somebody who lives a thousand miles away. When Christ said, love your enemies, what he forgot to mention was your enemies were going to be your own family. You know, see, oh, I love, the, I love the Muslims over there in Iran. No, he means your brother and your sister and your mom and your dad and all those in-laws, all those things. That's why God taught us that about forgiveness. And it's evil. Evil was done to them. And look at verse 16. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, Thy father, thy father did command before he died. So you see, they're like, hey, your daddy, your daddy. So shall you say unto Joseph, verse 17, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. Everybody knows it. It was evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of, my, of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. Here they come. They're like, okay, daddy's dead. Now Joseph's going to really be able to pay us back because he wouldn't pay us back in front of daddy. But now that daddy's dead, he's going to pay us back, man. He's going to come kill us. Because why, why, would, why would they think that? Because they deserve it. <laughs> Amen? When God's asking you to forgive somebody, he's not asking you to forgive somebody because they deserve to be forgiven. We don't deserve to be forgiven. Amen? And he forgives us. Why does Christ want us to forgive people? It's for your own good. <laughs> Unforgiveness is a cancer. It will beat you, it will eat you, it will eat you alive. And that's why Joseph wept. Because that's not what's in Joseph's heart. Because Joseph knows something about God that I want to show you this morning. Joseph understands something about God that a lot of Christians don't understand. And this is it. 
And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for, I, for am I in the place of God. Now look at verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, and they did, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. So when you read the story of Joseph, because Joseph had so much evil happen to him, was because God was working that way to put Joseph in Egypt, to put Joseph under Pharaoh so Joseph could be up under Pharaoh and be brought up as the second highest in all the land so he could save all those brethren down there in Israel. God saved Egypt so he could save Israel. My point to you is this morning is this, verse 20, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Brothers and sisters, we have a God that can bring good from evil. I can't stress to you enough. I can't say it to you enough. I can't hope that you get it enough is to understand this principle about our God. Our God can bring good from evil. That's a wonderful God. Amen. That word evil is interesting. You know when Jesus Christ is walking along, he's, talking, he's walking along to his disciples, one of the most interesting, to me it's just, Sometimes Jesus says stuff and you're like, wait, wait, what'd you just say? He's walking along to his disciples and they're asking him about uh, stuff and he says, you know, if you, if you being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more the Father know how to give good gifts to you? And I, I remember reading that and I remember stopping going, he just called all his disciples evil. <laughs> it's in there, guys, look it up. If you being evil, because you know there's some self-righteous people going, I'm not evil. I'm not evil. We're all evil. And one day you'll realize that if you don't know it today. But our God, our wonderful, amazing, incredible Lord God can bring good from evil. That's a blessing. That's something that lot, no other God can do. You'll see the world, the world will try to bring good from good. Man, the world's so messed up, they don't even know what evil and good is. They're calling good evil and evil good. And the Bible warned us about that. But I'm talking about they, you can take some good and try to bring some good from it. But to take evil and bring good from evil, only our God can do that. And our God gets pleasure doing that. When the Lord God saved me at 17 years old, guys, some of y'all might not realize this, and my, my little sister can confirm it. I was evil. I was wicked. I was no good. Y'all would not have liked me. Y'all would not. If you don't like me now, you should have known me then. I mean, I'm serious. I was sorry, no good, wicked, evil. I was nothing. I was a nobody. I was a high school dropout. I, did, I, I mean, I deserved to be in prison. I just hadn't been caught yet. I was wicked, wicked, evil. And God comes in my life and says, I think I can bring some good from that. I know it hadn't been much good, but here I am. Standing, trying to preach his word. And God gets pleasure out of that. I don't know what evil's happening in your life. I don't know what evil's going to come into your life. I know there's some people in this room have had lots of evil happen to them recently. And I can't explain why God's doing it, but I will tell you this. Our God, our God, our amazing, wonderful God can bring good from that.
Romans 8, verse 28, a real famous set of scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, Paul says, And we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Can God bring good from evil? He's done it over and over again through Scripture. You just read it. Joseph just admitted it. Joseph just told his brethren, Hey, you meant it for evil. You were it was all evil on your side. But God says, You know that evil they're doing? I can turn that to some good. Did God make his brethren, their brethren, his brethren, sell Joseph? No. God didn't force them to do that, but God in His infinite wisdom sees that they're going to do that, and He says, you know what, when they do that, I can use that for some good. What does that mean? It means Joseph's going to have to suffer. Amen? It wasn't, it wasn't a month. Guys, it wasn't a couple of years. By the time Joseph's raised up, it had been many, many, many years. And don't you know Joseph, when he's down at the deepest part of the dungeon, for doing nothing wrong, for just being being accused of rape, being at the very darkest part. Don't you know he's down there starting to question God? I thought I had a dream. I thought I had a dream. You told me, God, I had a dream. And you know, God, the Bible doesn't ever say that God came down to Joseph and said, everything's going to be okay, Joseph. We're going to make it work. No. Joseph just kept his faith. And what did we just read there in verse 50? At the very end, everybody bowed down to Joseph. Just like God said. Now some of y'all in here know that you've trusted in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and there's days you look up and you're like, man, what's going on here? What, how's, this, how's God going to save me? How's God going to get me through this? How's God going to work this out? I can't even imagine heaven, much less being able to pay my bills that are coming up. <laughs> Keep the faith, brothers and sisters. God is good and He loves to bring good from evil. That's what makes Him our God. That's what makes him a wonderful God. You know, here's a great example of that. I've got two examples. And y'all might not like them, but it's the truth. First example is the Holocaust. If you talk to, uh, you look at like, like, there's been more, I think there's been more movies on the Holocaust than any other time period in, America, in world history. You think about all the movies about what was done in the Holocaust. I mean, similar, every month there's a new movie come out about some, some Jewish man or woman in the Holocaust or somebody associated with the Holocaust. The point is, the Holocaust is known throughout the whole world as being one of the most evil events ever take place in human history. And what did God do out of that? Because it was evil. Six million Jews suffered and burned and died and were gassed. What did God do? What good came from that, Brother Keegan? Well, because of that, he brought them back into their land in 1948, and they became a nation. Is that good? If you know Bible prophecy, that's really good. That means that Christ is about to come back. And that means the Jew that had been thrown out of their land 2,000 years ago, for 2,000 years they walked around, for 2,000 years they suffered, for 2,000 years they were persecuted. It took a great evil to happen before they got back their land that belongs to them. It's their land. And they, they earned it. God gave it to them. It belongs to them. He brought some evil. He brought some good out of that evil. You know, I don't know if y'all know this or have ever, and I love I don't love it, but I do study some of it. Serial killers. When I, uh, I got into like true crime and studying how, what, makes, what makes a man do what, man do what men do. Some of the most evil, wicked things. 
And there's two great truths of that. There's two, listen to me this morning. When you study serial killers and murderers, you're going to find two things associated in their life. There's always two things associated with murderers and killers. Number one, alcohol. Alcohol. I'm not talking about drugs. I'm talking about alcohol drug. The legal drug, alcohol. The second thing is pornography. Those two things. And almost every one of them, that's what they're, that's what they're in. Every one of them. The worst serial killer, one of the worst serial killers you can find, his name was Jeffrey Dahmer. Y'all heard of him? I'm not even going to repeat what he was doing. Murdering uh, at least 18 people. Do you know when he got in prison, he got saved? I know y'all are thinking it. No, he didn't. God wouldn't save somebody like him. He was a killer. He's a murderer. He's wicked. He's, yeah, he was evil. He admitted he was evil. But you know what he said in prison when he got saved? He said, you know what? Jesus Christ can even forgive my sins. Can he? The blood of Jesus Christ, can it forgive all sins? Don't you know our God loves to get good from evil? Turn to Isaiah 53. Turn to Isaiah 53. I'm going to show you two more things. Isaiah 53. Our God, your God, our Savior loves, loves to bring good from evil. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you didn't know God, you wouldn't know what evil was. Without our God, you wouldn't know what evil was. We know it's evil because God sets the standard of holiness and goodness. And that's why the world's so messed up. You say, why is the world called this that's obviously good, evil? And why do they call something that's evil, good? Why are they doing that, Brother Kiki? Because they don't have God as the standard anymore. They don't know what to, how to judge what's right or wrong. Because they don't have God as... Because God is the standard of good and evil. You know it's evil because God's good in His holiness. Look at Isaiah 53, look at verse 4. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That's obviously a prophecy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Y'all see that? The other, only, only some scholarly Jews reject that as being a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Every Christian knows that's Jesus Christ dying for our sins. Look at verse 10. Read it. Read verse 10. Hope you have your Bible open. Read it. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. What? What? You mean Jesus Christ is the Son of God sent by the Father to walk on this earth, God manifest in the flesh, to be beaten, whipped, spit on, crucified, one of the worst ways to be tortured and die. And the Bible says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Wow. It pleased the Lord to bring all that evil on Jesus Christ? Yeah, it did. Why would it please God to bring all that evil upon Jesus Christ? Because look at all the good it did. Because <laughs> thanks to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who allowed that to happen and He allowed it to happen. It didn't have to happen. Christ allowed them to do that to Him. He admitted it. He said, I could have 12 legions of angels here right now. But He didn't. 
Why? Because he wanted to die for all our sins. All your evil. All your evil. The evil you did yesterday, the evil you're going to do today, and the evil you're going to do tomorrow. He died for all of that. So it pleased God to have evil come upon Jesus Christ so he could bring out some good. You meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Look at Luke chapter 23 in closing. Luke chapter 23. I hope you're getting this. I hope you're getting this, how good a God you have. So when you hear people say, well, I think there's many gods out there. I think Allah could be a god. I think Buddha had his god. And I think there's many ways to God. And I think when you hear people talking that kind of stuff, I want you to stop and think about, yeah, but your God you're talking about, he can't bring good from evil. And you don't understand that when evil happens to a Christian, sometimes it's because God's trying to get some good out of that. What good could come from that? Sometimes you can't see it for a year. Guys, it took me, sometimes it took me a decade, a decade past when that evil happens, and I look back and I turn and I look back at that evil, and I'm like, ah, now I see the good. Now I see it, because God could see it. But when I was going through that evil and that person I was associated with was going through that evil, you can't see it. You're looking around, you're looking at Paul Cornelius' life, and you're like, Brother Paul, why is this evil coming on Brother Paul? It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. And if you come up and ask me, I'm going to say, I don't know why God's doing that. That's a good man. Loves the Lord. Doing what he can for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is this happening? That's evil. It is evil. Did God bring that on him? I know God can get the good out of it. Amen? See, the problem with you Christians, you don't believe God will bring evil into your life. You think God's just going it's, it's, it's like God promised you a bed of roses. Like, y'all got off your knees from getting saved. You got up and God whispered in you, hey, I'm never going to, nothing ever bad's going to happen to you. I don't, God didn't whisper that in my ear. I just got up and go, praise God, I'm saved. And then bad stuff happens. I'm like, why is bad stuff happening to me? Because that's life. Hey, what did happen to Job. Job was righteous in every way. Everything. He lost his kids. He lost his, uh, most of his property. He lost, every, he lost his health. The only thing that the Satan left him was his wife. And what'd she do for him? Curse God and die. That's pretty good advice. For, you know, well, what, what, uh, did Satan do that to him? Yes. But God allowed Satan to do that to him. Get it? Because Satan wanted to, but God, Satan said, hey, you got a hedge of protection built around him. I can't do nothing to you. Yeah, of course he loves you because you got that hedge of protection built around him. And God says, oh, yeah, okay. Well, you can go down there and you do everything. Just don't take his life. Satan says, yeah, bet you. And he goes down there. God allowed it. Not every evil thing that happens in your life is God's fault. Oh, you know what? I was up at, amen, brother. I was up at this funeral, this uh, Terralot. It was a Terralot funeral. David Terrell? Some of y'all know that name in here. Charismatic, holy roller, I mean, slapping people in the head so they'll be healed type of guy. I was at one in his preach. It wasn't Brother Terrell, David Terrell, that was preaching. It was in his underling. And I was up there, and this underling was preaching. And he said, oh, I'm not going to name any names. He said, oh, this, so, this brother here, he had, a, he had a chair that he had rented from Dark Furniture. And he couldn't make those payments from, for that chair. And they came and the devil took that chair away from him. 
And one day God's going to get that chair away from the devil. When he gets to heaven, because he's in heaven right now, God's going to give him back that chair. And everybody in the crowd, you know, all those terror lights, amen, brother, amen. And I'm thinking, God didn't take away that. The, the devil didn't take away that chair. He didn't make his payments. <laughs> you, you know, uh, dark furniture took your chair away because you didn't make your payments. You could blame it on God, blame it on the devil. It's you. The devil's doing this to me. No, you're doing it. You're evil. But sometimes you're like, well, God will never do this to me. Ah, Joseph said he did it to him. Job found out at the end, I repent and sackcloth and ashes. God, you're God. See, sometimes you just got to read the Bible because it's just like, it's like taking a hammer and trying to hammer it into a, a piece of rock. Because people are like, oh, I don't think God would, I don't think... I don't think Job chapter 2 verse 10. When his wife, Job's wife told him, curse God and die. This is what Job said. Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What, this is Job, what question mark, shall we receive good at the hand of God? We all believe that in here. And shall we not receive evil? Question mark. He tells his wife, shall we not receive good and evil from God? Now, I know some of y'all out there saying, well, see, Job, that's because he wasn't right with God. That's why he said that. And the Bible says, in all this did not Job sin with his lips. For all you doubters out there. God would never sin evil into my life. Job says, will he not sin good and evil? And the Bible says he did not sin with his lips when he said that. See, what you need to realize is God's God. When you say God, he's in control of everything. He was allowing that to happen to Joseph. And he's allowing him to be accused. He's allowing him to go into prison. He's allowing him to suffer all those years. But God had some good that was going to come out of that evil. And just keep the faith. When that evil comes in your life, just keep the faith. Say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. Hey, Lord, like Job said, though you slay me, yet will I trust in him. Lord, you might kill me. This might take me out. But I know one thing. I'll be in heaven with you. That's true faith. Amen? Amen? Luke chapter 23, in closing. Luke chapter 23, we're going to be there at verse 33. Luke chapter 23, verse 33, and I promise you we're closing. I was joking around Wednesday night. I said, y'all wouldn't let, we didn't get to preach on Wednesday night. I didn't get to teach on Wednesday night, so I like did a double teaching on Wednesday. This, come, this last Wednesday kept us here late, so y'all didn't let me preach Sunday, so I'm <laughs> trying to catch up. Nah. Verse 33, when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right, other on the left. Is that not evil? Oh, yeah, that's evil. He's an innocent man. He doesn't deserve that. Christ does not deserve that. He's innocent. Verse 34, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What good came out of the crucifixion? A Savior that says, Father, forgive them. You know that everybody there at the crucifixion was forgiven? You know, that doesn't just apply to those at the crucifixion. That applies to everybody in this room. You did a bunch of evil, Brother Keegan. I sure did, and I will admit I'm not, I'm not proud of it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bragging on it. I, I admit it in shame, the evil I've done. But God 
through Jesus Christ, turned it to good. He made it good. Jeremiah describes God, and God describes himself as a potter. And he goes down and he makes this pottery. And he's making it, and it said it was marred in the maker's hands. And the Bible says, God says to Jeremiah, and the potter said this, I will make it again. You were born into sin, and God looks down and says, I'm going to make him a new creature in Jesus Christ. All that evil I had done, God says, okay, right there. I can make some good now. And that's what our God does. That's what our God's best at. Taking your evil and turning it into good. Hang in there, Christians. Hang in there. God's going to bring good out of it. One way or another, we're going to get to heaven. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. 
And in verse 13, he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.